afternoon and welcome to another edition of Ideaprov with Mike Pedersen. I'm here with a good friend of mine. His name's Tom and uh, we worked together a little bit at a, at a previous company and always had some really good ideas and I thought I'd bring him on the show and kind of elaborate on um, a couple of different a couple of different aspects of a topic that we're going to get to here in a minute. So how you doing, Tom? You know, introduce yourself, tell everybody how you doing. Doing well, doing well. Hope everybody's doing well, staying healthy and staying safe. Uh, I'm Tom Minch. Um, I um, am grateful to be uh, in the, the group of people that are still working right now. And, and uh, a little bit of my background is um, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, moved to Florida a few years ago, three years ago, and loving life here in St. Petersburg. Um, worked in the Tampa area for a couple of years and I'm currently uh, working in the same space, which is uh, really um, e-commerce, web development, mobile app development, um, product management in uh, e-commerce, and uh, currently traveling, uh, doing uh, technology consulting, um, and working for a, a client right now in, in North Carolina. Uh, so happy to be in Florida and, and um, uh, not traveling at the moment, but um, still doing work for that client. Great, Tom. Great to, uh, to have you on board. So one of the things that Tom and I have talked about a couple of times was um, the IT function being an expansive kind of role. Right, and so one of the things we thought of is within the IT field, there's been a lot of minorities, there's been a lot of uh, people of different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, and oftentimes, sometimes there's a language barrier, sometimes there's a cultural barrier. So one of the topics that you know I wanted to approach Tom with because I thought he might have some good insight on this was where and how can we bridge that gap to create a better working relationship with these folks? Not all of these folks are. Um, you know, very let's say cultured in American ways. So they have different different vibes, different you know foods, ethnic backgrounds. So how can we better incorporate them into the way that we operate? You know, in regular everyday workplaces. Yeah, um, it's an interesting topic, and and I'll work my way. I'd like to even introduce a, a minority group that. Um, we haven't even talked about yet, but um, uh, that, that might add a little twist uh, to the topic. But, um, you know, my background, um, I've worked for, you know, some uh, Fortune 50 companies and, and um, worked with a lot of uh, diverse folks, a lot of very smart people. Um, and along the way, uh, in particular, uh, had the opportunity to uh, work with some folks uh, in, from India. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that I've learned from uh, all of the, the uh, team members and, and coworkers that uh, I've worked with from India um, has been just, you know, all of our different backgrounds and some of the things that, that I've probably taken for granted, including some of the, um, the language that we use, um, the analogies that we use, the phrasing that we use, and I've had to catch myself sometimes to say, um, you know, does, does that even make sense? When I say that, do you understand what that, um, what that means? Like, for example, I think earlier today I said something like, um, this is not going to be a slam dunk. And I had to, you know, that's just an example of something like, does everybody understand what that means when I say a slam dunk? 
Um, and, you know, probably not. Um, and so you know, I, I think that's just an example. And, and I think it really starts from having an opportunity, which we often don't have in, in the workplace and in, in the daily um, course of, of work to just have conversation. Just, you know, learn about somebody's family, learn about where they grew up, what their education was like. Um, I remember one of the the first questions that I um, asked when I was you know starting to work with some folks from India was, how did you learn English so well? Uh, you know, English is a second language, and and yet all of them, uh, in my um, experience, just had really good English. And um, I have tried to learn a couple of other languages and have never really mastered any of them. Um, so just kind of out of admiration saying, you know, how in the world? Uh, and so that helped me to learn that, um, especially for a lot of folks in the IT world, um, they started learning English at a, in school at an early age, um, you know, which good for them and, you know, would probably benefit, have benefited me also. Yeah, I think I think for me one of the things that really um, stuck was a college experience of mine in which I had a um, a teaching assistant that was helping with my chemistry class, and he was from Nigeria, and um, it was a while it was chemistry and not necessarily like let's say IT related, but there was still a little bit of a language and cultural barrier, right? Um, and a lot of people just were not getting his teaching style in the class. And I found it really interesting because he noticed it really quickly. And he said, you know what, I'm gonna try something else. So what he did was, apparently I think his um, his brother-in-law or something like that had a restaurant. And he's like, we're gonna hold the class, TA class. And it was only, I think it was 11 of us or something like that at this restaurant. He's like, if you can make it, get there. And so we talked about Everybody that went talked nothing about chemistry and we just like totally collaborated over a big spread of food that he had. And so he talked about, like you're talking about learning English. He talked about that. He talked about um, how he came to know chemistry, how he came to the United States and everybody just kind of shared stories and really kind of gave you a huge insight into like his thought pattern and like how he th went about thinking about things. And it opened up so many people's eyes in the classroom and it was like, oh, that's what he means when he says something like this. That's what he means when he says something like, because the little colloquialisms that, that you talk about are completely lost in, in different cultures. So I thought that that was an excellent way to kind of find a way to like bridge that gap. And so I've always thought, is there a way that you could do that kind of in the workplace without I don't know, dragging down productivity and, and taking a half of an afternoon to be able to, you know, celebrate things and have people come together. Like, why should it be forced to be to happen outside, I guess, normal working hours? Yeah, and, and I think um, it probably takes some time for that to happen, but maybe a way to do that is, you know, a couple of minutes at the start of a meeting or, you know, while we're, you're waiting for people to join, just have conversation and, and uh, get to know people. Um, I, I can think of an example the other way around also where uh, a common term or a common way of saying something that I didn't understand initially was um, having people ask, um, I have a doubt about something. Um, and kind of caught me off guard, like, 
Like, what do you mean you have a doubt? To me, that the initial reaction was you're um, questioning something uh, in a way that you think it's wrong or, or something like that. But uh, it was actually just a way of saying I have a question. So not saying that um, I think what you're saying is wrong and I doubt it, but um, it's just the common way of saying I have a question. Um, and so I, I've come to understand that, but um, initially that's not what I thought it meant. I think it could be, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I think that could really be off-putting to some um, to say like you have a doubt if it's like well I, I just put together this presentation or this thought or whatever the case is and, and it's not really kind of jiving with what you're saying um, so how I could see that being a little bit of a change. I like what you talked about and, and the fact of like either starting meetings or ending meetings with some type of human interaction, you know, kind of dialogue or um, a way to kind of figure out how people can connect on a different level outside of the work that will bring them together from a team aspect. Um, of course, the easy ones that come to mind are, you know, of course, team outings and that type of thing. But um, I guess my next thought is, is like, is this going to be better in large groups? Is it better one on one, um, smaller groups, two to two to five, um, something that's to, to kind of get the get the juices flowing on a, on a regular basis? Yeah, you know, I think my my personal feeling would be that um, it's helpful more one-on-one -on -one to really get to know someone and um, you know learn the little things like what do we do on on the weekends what do we typically do on the weekends we're, we're probably probably have some family customs um, that you know do you um, eat lunch do you eat dinner do you have a special uh, um, um, pattern or, or routine that you have on, on Sundays? Um, do you, how do you celebrate birthdays? Um, what are the holidays that you celebrate? Um, and so I think just, you know, getting to pe know people on a personal level, um, regardless of your differences, um, whether it's you grew up somewhere else, uh, different race, different religion, um, uh, so here's a group that, that uh, I, I mentioned earlier that might be a little bit of a twist on the topic, but um, those with disabilities. Um, I worked at Target in Minneapolis for quite a few years, and Target was really good at taking into account and building um, accessible um, digital experiences. and. They've done a phenomenal job of, of prioritizing that and have built a team, um, largely uh, the accessibility team at, at Target, probably still is and was when I was there, um, comprised of, of people that are blind. Um, and what better group to have working for you and, and helping you understand what it's like for a blind person to use your product use your website, use your mobile app, whatever it is, then to get to, to know that person and, and understand how they live their daily life. And I can honestly say I, I, I learned so much more than I would have ever uh, imagined um, from some of the, the vision impaired or, or blind folks that I worked with when I was at Target. Even, you know, and, and again, same sort of thing, you know, develop a relationship, start asking questions, 
you know, explain how I live, how you know how you live, how do you get around, um, how do you how do you pick out what you're gonna wear in the morning, like how do you know you're picking out a a, a matching outfit, or um, how do you shop when you go to the store, but you know you can't see what's on the shelf. How do you shop for your groceries? Just all the things that we take for granted that um, you know, I had an opportunity to just ask questions and, and learn what it's like from a totally different perspective. And and again, that's you know, maybe a minority group that we don't initially think about, but I think the, the, the same principle still applies to anyone that you um, don't have the same experience as. Um, you know, just you know, getting to know somebody by asking questions and, and learning how they live. Right, I think that's a that's a huge kind of avenue, an untapped market, because I don't think people realize how many disabled people there are out there. You know, from whether it's visual impairments, audio impairments, um, anything of that nature, whether it's you know physical mobility, like these people are are getting through life, you know, having to overcome different challenges um, on a regular basis and it's a huge market that I think you know I agree with you because I have seen Target before um, put together some either advertising campaigns or just the way that they're the which we call their stores, for example, are laid out. Like I always thought it was so nice to walk into one of their stores and the aisleways were enormous. They were huge. So that way, you know, wheelchair accessible people can move backwards and forwards. Um, but I, th- I think you really tapped into a good part in having them test the product. So initially that my mind ran to, well, what if you take all those different minority groups, whether it's disabled, whether it's people from other countries, whether it's, you know, all those kind of things and have them test their products in their kind of, I guess you could say normal lens. So whether they're disabled, whether they're from, they speak a different language, Maybe they, you know, come across different different challenges or aspects of their life as far as being, you know, a minority or ne- never experienced things, and have them test your product and see if there's any holes or, or gaps that, they, that could be filled for that potential demographic audience. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. And um, here's another relevant, maybe less extreme, but a similar example where. Um, you know, I, I, part of my work as a product manager, um, I feel like it's very valuable to just understand um, the people that are using my product. Um, and, uh, and the more I can see them using it, the, the better I can understand how they use it. And, and again, I just like to ask questions and understand how people are using it. Um, you know, one of the ways to do that is just to do testing, like uh, in-person testing um, take your phone, take your uh, with mobile app or mobile website, whatever it is, um, out to the store, and you know, offer people a gift card. Say, hey, can I ask you a few questions? Can I, you know, watch you use our uh, our app and um, and and ask ask you some questions and, and just watch how you shop and you observe some of the things that you might anticipate. And then one of the last times I did that, um, I. I had, uh, you know, kind of a revelation that shouldn't have been a surprise, but it's one of those things that I would have never captured or never noticed um, if I wasn't watching somebody do it live. And that is, um, you know, watching a a gentleman, um, you know, probably, I'm not sure, but maybe in his 50s, um, 
and I'm asking him some questions. And every time that he's looking at the phone to complete a task, you know, he's kind of holding it, looking at it like this and, and takes his glasses off his head and puts his reading glasses on to look at it. And I think, duh, you know, why not? Especially, especially if the demographic of people that, um, that are using my app are not millennials, you know, they're baby boomers or whatever. I gotta make sure, I mean, there's accessibility uh, requirements, but even maybe go beyond that to say, make it easy to read on a, a phone because, um, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. Or at the very least, make it so that you can pinch and zoom and, and enlarge it or, you know, whatever you need to do to make it easy for people, you know, whatever, um, whatever they need. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's huge. It's, it's those little things. I think that people sometimes take for granted that you don't think about, right? So I remember one time I was working in um, hospitality and I was serving. And one of the things, it was a very small place and only held like 55 people. But one of the things that they had was, it was a very dark, dim light. It was like a speakeasy type of vibe. And their menus actually lit up. So when everybody came inside and it was dark and they said, oh no, like how are we gonna order and all that kind of stuff. Like when they opened the menu, it, it cracked open and it was backlit. And I remember, like you talked about, everybody that was of senior age or had difficulty with vision or whatever the case, they thought it was the greatest and the coolest thing ever. They're like, I don't have to bring my glasses here and I can just enjoy it, I don't have to worry about reading. And it was yeah. just the smallest thing, but right. it's taken to account those little <laughs> things from people that they have to deal with. Or, you know, I, I remember um, some of the fine dining establishments, they'll have reading glasses for, you know, older patrons in the back. So that way, if they can't read the menu, they'll bring those out. But those are the little things that I think, you know, go a long way. And in addition to that, I have to think that if I'm one of those people, whether I'm working for the company or partaking in their services, I'm going to feel so much more valued because it feels like that company is really taking an interest in me as a person, like me as an individual. They're saying, hey, how can I make the experience the best it can be for you? Whether that's a tech something, whether that's going out in hospitality, whether that's, you know, some type of entertainment value or, or whatever. It's they've thought about me and that I feel like it's going to be so much easier for me to turn around and for lack of a better term, give me, give them my money because they care about me. I think that's what it really comes down to is, you know, how do you recognize, you know, I'll call it a problem, but how do you solve problems for people? How do you provide value by understanding what it is people need and, and meeting those needs? Um, you know, some things are obvious and some things are less obvious. And, and I think um, even the kind of entrepreneurial world, um, small business startups, um, you know, I think that's how they have really chipped away and, and been competitive with some of the, the, the big established businesses. Um, and that is, you know, they, they um, identify a need and they go after it. I mean, Uber and Lyft and, and all those, the rideshare services that, um, you know, getting a taxi or the, the process of getting a taxi and 
riding in a taxi and paying for a taxi and all that sort of stuff that I don't know anybody really liked, probably not, uh, but we just accepted it. It was just life, it was just reality. Um, and then somebody identified that need and, and delivered a solution or a product that, that could meet that need and, uh, or uh, allow people to complete that task more easily. And you know, I think that's, um, that's what it's all about. And, and yeah, it's exactly what it's all about, right? And um, identifying that need, and I think the there's another one. I forgot what the company is called. I remember they have like a yellow um, thing, but they've taken pretty much millennials and those of the younger younger demographic with all the technology that's out there and Amazon Alexa and laptops and whatever, and they specifically cater to the older market. So you're talking baby boomers, the 60s, 70s, um, 80 year old um, people who have all this new technology and don't really know how to set it up, don't really know how to use it. And I think right now they're doing it for free, but um, I, I think, or they have recently started, started charging for it. But it's a huge avenue with so much of the population that's going to be aging over the next 10, 15, 20 years. That whole baby boomers is going to go into their 70s, 80s, and, and 90s. And all this new technology, whether it's the Facebook portal to be able to, to, to see people and, and interact with people, or the YouTubes, the lifts, um, all those different, you know, either social media platforms, whatever it is, that they just might not be that versed in using, now all of a sudden you've brought in another tool to be able to help them use all of that. So they can jump on FaceTime and um, see their grandkids. You know, those, that's, that's kind of a huge, huge thing for them. Yeah, I like it. You know, I, um, I, I, I've probably said this before, but I think it's, um, it all starts with understanding, um, developing, this is a, a term in the product world, um, a, a shared understanding um, so that you know what, the, what um, your customer's needs are and um, your customer is clear on the uh, service that you're providing and, um, and that the team that you're pulling together has a shared understanding for how you might meet those needs. Excellent, now just off the top of my head, do you think this would be more applicable from in a, like a smaller team level? For example, a team, like you're the immediate team of four to five, or should this be something that's more, I guess you could say top down or from leadership to say, this is something that we want to do and drive? Or does it make a difference? Um, you know, I would hope that um, we can build a culture where people are, are wanting to get to know each other and wanting to understand each other um, kind of in a self-organized way, um, self-driven way, rather than having it, you know, something that, that's passed down from uh, above. Um, you know, maybe there's a need to initiate that and, and at least suggest it, but um, I, I would hope that it, it's not uh, a force thing by any means yeah a, for, a force thing I, I agree with you and so the impact of this change is 
I want to say it's going to be something that is really going to hit home with the employee, the immediate team, and then probably have a trickle-down impact on the business that you're creating, the product or service that you're developing. Is there anything else that we think is going to be a beneficial aspect of, of having this better human interaction between people? No, I, I think that um, there must be. So I'm thinking of, of what, what that would be. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, I'll call it the, the muscle, the exercise, the habit of um, understanding others has value, you know, whether you're talking about your coworkers or you're talking about your customers or you're talking about the, um, the, the person at the, on the other side of the gas pump, right? Uh, you know, I, I think that um, that habit and that attitude has value um, in all of your relationships. Um, I, I don't know. Not sure if that's the right answer or not, but no, I, what, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer, yeah. but I, or right or wrong answer. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that that what you just sparked for me was just the the ability for people to think of things in a more inclusive manner. Right. So in you know whether it's meetings, whether it's just one-on-one interactions, it's going to shift that thought in their head from when somebody says something to instead of it being either dismissive or you know judgmental um, they're gonna say hey this this could work this might work a couple of tweaks and, and we might be able to change this and having that attitude of something that's more positive and possible is only going to develop you know good things down the road I guess in all of their interactions um, so I, I would think like to your point I'd like I can see this bleeding from the workplace to outside the workplace, um, as long as people are open to it. Which, you know, we can't control everybody. But um, I, yeah, I agree, and you know, that, that kind of carries into um, the, the restaurant industry, industry or the service industry in general. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the person on the other side of the gas pump, but whether it's you know somebody in the the service station or gas station or your server at a restaurant um, I, you know I, I think the service industry people working in the service industry often don't get a lot of love <laughs> don't get a lot of respect very very and, very true and you know I, I feel like that um, that respect um, you know like I said it's a, it's an attitude it's a habit and um, I think it it can. Uh, I think it will bring value to me and and to everyone if we exercise that habit habit with everyone we come in into contact with. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Okay, so to kind of recap what we're what we're looking at here is to improve the kind of cultural and dynamics relationships we need to kind of take more time to 
engage with the human just as a as a human just with the employee and learn about their backgrounds whether that's in meetings whether that's in um, kind of one-on-one -on -one interactions whether it's designated times let's say you're celebrating a, a cultural holiday or something like that to take an hour or out, out of the day to be able to do things I think will be huge um, the second component that we're talking about is um, adding a I don't want to say add, but using those particular individuals as a test group for your product, your service, whatever provides, whatever keeps you in business. And by doing so, we will add their insight. So whether it's disabled people, whether it's cultural differences, whether it's a language barrier, we'll add their insight to be able to make a better product that appeals to more and different people. By doing so, we're going to create a more healthier, I guess, individual, I guess you could say, from a, from a, that standpoint. And you're going to have employees that are going to feel valued and involved, you know, a company that cares for them. And in time, you're going to create a product that is going to be more applicable um, to a wider variety of people. And it's going to grow your, your business. Right. And solve, solve problems. Solve real problems for people. And one way that I would maybe summarize all of that is if organizations value the skill um, and the interpersonal skills of um, building relationships, um, you know, might be taken for granted. Um, some people it comes naturally, some people it doesn't. But just you know, allowing that and, and recognizing that as a valuable skill. And the skills are going to be the, probably the most important part because that's going to be huge to a company's bottom line prosperity and just how they're how they're growing as a business. Because um, every company will tell you it's it's about their people and what they do. So, to segue, we want to move into uh, our kind of co-creator segment here. So I think Tom's kind of on a good roll right now with, with some of his thoughts. So I want to kind of pick his brain on something that's, you know, really interesting to him and what he's kind of passionate about right now. So give us some, give us some new stuff, Tom. Yeah, you know, this is actually um, relevant to the, the topic we've been talking about um, and, and also relevant to what's going on in our country right now. Um, just a, a lot of change and, and um, a lot of uh, unrest and uh, you know a lot of questions I think um, and you know so kind of playing off that idea of putting yourselves in somebody else's shoes and, and understanding um, uh, just treating people the right way um, makes me think about uh, so I go to a church here in, in St. Petersburg uh, and I'm good friends with a pastor he has a, a really good um, I guess motto that he likes to share and it kind of stems from you know going back to Lance Armstrong yeah he had the live strong mm -hmm. uh, theme you know they're doing bracelets and all that sort of yeah, thing yeah the yellow ones I remember and everybody was wearing them <laughs> yeah yeah um, so he kind of branched off of that with the concept of live love um, and you know it kind of reminds everybody every week um, just treat, treat people with respect and um, regardless of who it is, if it's your family, your coworkers, again, the, the person that is getting gas, you know, on the other side of the gas pump, wherever you go, just live love. Live in a way that is, um, 
loving, not necessarily that you have to hug it out or, or anything like that, but just treat people with respect and treat people with love. And what would that do for, um, for our culture, for our country, for our communities? Um, I, I don't know, it's just something that is really easy. It's a good reminder for myself. Um, you know, I try to tell as many people as I can, just, hey, you, you know, it's with everything going on, I, th I think it's spot on uh, to, to kind of talk about that. One of the things I didn't hear until probably about a year ago that was so helpful for me to kind of that I've never really thought about before was in all of your interactions with people, whether it's a spouse, loved one, like you said, the gas station, or the person at the supermarket that's bagging your groceries, if whenever you're talking to them, assume good and positive intent. Like just that simple thing, I think it helped diffuse a lot of a lot of issues for people, um, whether whether or not they think people are kind of getting after them or, or or they look at them a certain way or something like that. Like you have no idea what's going on in that individual's life. What's just happened? You know, they could be running on tough times financially. They could be going through some type of health crisis. They could have um, family or friends that's that's really you know bogging or weighing down on their mind. Um, and so it's it's those little things we're just saying hey like maybe you didn't mean that the way that it came out or the way that I took it but it's okay like it, I mean, and you know for me it's it's there's a lot of people that kind of have this motto of like hey don't get taken advantage of and all this kind of stuff and I'm like I really don't care <laughs> you know it's kind of strange like for me it's 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 like I want to put I want to put out positive energy to people that you know, want to want to give me that positive energy back, and I think like that love and that that unconditional just positivity is just gonna make things a lot better. I mean, I guess you could say, call me a tree hugger, you know, call me warm and fuzzy, big teddy bear, whatever the case may be. But it just seems like, like you said, the world just needs a little bit more love right now, and I I don't know where it's gonna come from. It's gonna take in those individual interactions I think to make it happen but man it needs a lot of it <laughs> yeah no doubt you know I, I remember um, kind of having a, a little bit of a light bulb moment uh, years ago um, I grew up in a small town in Iowa when I say small town I mean it was a really small town a town of about 100 people and uh, you know so there's a, a few small towns nearby um, and um, and this is common in the Midwest and, you know, farming areas, that sort of thing. You know, as you're meeting somebody coming down the road, you just wave at everybody. Uh, you, don't even, you don't even know if you know who it is, but you wave just in case. And that thought occurred to me. It's like, you know, I think the reason people behave that way is because it is a, a close-knit community and there's a, a good chance that you do know that person so even if you don't know if you know that person, you want to treat them as if you know them and be friendly to them. And and I think the perhaps the larger community you live in, I'll, I'll put it this way. My experience was that when I moved to Minneapolis or moved to bigger cities, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily that way. And I kind of came to the conclusion that the the uh, um, the 
better the chances are that you're going to know the person you're interacting with, the better the chances are that you, you're probably going to treat them with respect, right? And um, if you think you can cut somebody off in traffic or flip somebody the bird or just be rude to people and never see them again, you know, then people are probably likely, more likely to do that. Um, and, and maybe one of the, the ways that I uh, came to this conclusion was kind of an embarrassing moment where we were on our way to a, a birthday party, a child's birthday party. And um, my wife and I were sitting at the stoplight and the light turned green and the car in front of me didn't go right away. So I, I mean, I wasn't rude or anything, but I just like honked the horn. And then we ended up following that car to the birthday party. And I thought, oh my gosh, what, you know, now I got to cross paths with this person who probably thinks I'm a complete jerk. And wow. Like, why did I do that? Yeah. I didn't even do that. And so it just, I don't know, it was just an example of um, just treat people like you know them and, 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 uh, you know, we'll all get along a little bit better. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly that mentality. I mean, me personally, like, family's from a small island, right? You know, it's 45 miles long, 20 miles wide, you know, St. Croix, so everybody knows everybody. And, like, I remember when I was nine, 10 years old, like, sometimes I would just walk down the store with my dad to go places and they would be like, hey, Mr. Pedersen, hey, da 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 da, hey, da da da. And literally, we would be going a quarter of a mile and there would be six, seven, eight people that would stop to us and it would take us like an hour just to get to the store. And I'm like, wow, why is this so difficult? But I didn't realize until I went back another time and did the same thing that those conversations with those people whether i mean for my dad it was like it was his nanny at one point it was um it was a guy that he used to uh he used to like that we used to work at the junkyard it was another guy that that he worked with at the movie theater when when he was younger like these were like authentic interactions with people like true friends and i, I didn't notice it until the, the, the time we went back a different time in which we got a flat tire. And of course, you know, we, we get out the back and get the jack. Well, by the time we get around to the front of the car, there's like three of his old buddies that are all, you know, waiting to, to do this, to change the tire for us. And it, it, that's when it really dawned on me. I'm like, these are, these are just people that are authentic. And if you treat people well with positivity and treat them like a good you know, person and give out that love on, on, and take a second to kind of get to know people, like there's a massively human connection there that is, is magnificent for people to kind of really be a part of. I just wish more people could you know, t stop and take that second to really dive deep with you know of course family and friends it's easy but to just you know with strangers to just say hey how you doing check in on them you know make a new friend and then you know kind of reach across the proverbial aisle you know get out of your box and and kind of have that conversation because i think there's a lot of people out there that you know maybe just need that open helping hand that 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 open heart for somebody to reach out and give them a hug and no doubt and you know if we have that skill and maybe we are at an advantage that we grew up in a community um where you exercised that 
uh, that habit, right? And just, you know, getting to know people and um, um, treating people with respect, treating people with love, that you can then, even, you know, even if you grew up in a, a pretty homogenous community, at least if you have that skill, you can then expand that skill to a group of people that you don't know. Um, and you know, still treat uh, people that you don't have everything in common with, um, with the same sort of respect. Um, and you know, so I, I guess I'm grateful uh, for that opportunity and, and uh, hopeful that I can um, live that way. Ex you know, exercise that skill. Yeah, awesome. Well, Tom, I am. It's in the words of grateful. I am grateful for, for having you on the show today. I think you've been an absolute blast with your insights and everything that you've you've provided for us. So um, we're glad to glad to have you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get you on again maybe to do something, some new stuff. So excellent so thank you guys as far as listeners and stuff like that for uh for listening in of course you can find us on all your social media platforms at, at ideaprov um until next time <laughs>